Welcome to First Reading, the Old Testament lectionary podcast that equips teachers and inspires preachers. I'm Dr. Rachel Wren, ordained Lutheran pastor and assistant professor of biblical studies at Trinity Lutheran Seminary. And I'm Rosie Candethal, PhD candidate in Hebrew Bible and an instructor at Emory University. This week, Rachel is continuing to walk us through Advent 2021, centering on the text from the Hebrew Bible and using those to exegete Advent in a new and fresh way. And up next, we've got Malachi 3, verses 1 through 4. I'm curious to see what you do with Malachi after hearing what you did with Psalm 25 last week. What do we do this week, Rachel? Well, sort of like last week, I'm going to suggest starting in a slightly different place. And that's actually my first preaching pitfall, because I think if you go up to the average Christian in a church and ask them what they know about Malachi, my hunch is that it's going to be pretty slim. It doesn't show up in the lectionary all that much. It's not one of the stereotypical Christian quoted texts. And there's just not a whole lot to ground people if you just jump into a sermon on it. So the first pitfall that I see is trying to preach out of Malachi without giving folks some context on Malachi. And you could do that in a couple of ways, but I might actually suggest you start a sermon by doing just a real quick summary of the Old Testament. A quick summary of the Old Testament? Is that all you're suggesting? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. NBD, right? Mm. Okay, so so here's here's one example. You could start and talk about, in the beginning, God wanted to bless the world, and humans kept refusing that blessing. So God chose to work through one family to bless the whole world, the family of Sarah and Abraham. They were miraculously given a son who gave them grandbabies and great grandbabies and the generations went on and on until they had formed themselves into tribes and a people and then even a nation with a king. And God was by their side the whole time, traveling with them as they traveled and eventually coming to live in their very midst in a house, a house called a temple. But this house, this temple and this nation They were a tiny nation, and they were surrounded by empires with big armies and fancy cars. (laughs) And God's people were both scared of those empires, and they were jealous of them. God's people wanted a guarantee of safety, and they wanted to run with the big dogs. So for generations, God's people lean into that fear and that desire to control. And they end up abusing the vulnerable in pursuit of those gains, most often through the guise of religion. That abuse ends up polluting God's own house, where they were supposed to worship in faithfulness and in truth. And friends, actions have consequences. And these actions have dire consequences. The empires that they ran with eventually turned on them, and big dogs have a big bite. One empire in particular came in and bit down hard. They destroyed the capital city. They burned God's house to rubble. They took many of God's people into exile, like 700 miles away. And that's a long way to walk, friends. There were no Uber at this time. And they left only the poor people to serve as a far-flung outpost for the empire. And for 50 years, the people sit in exile, far from home. And they wonder, what happened to God? Hmm. Not bad for a quick summary of the entire Old Testament. It's doable. That's my whole point. You know, you, it's a quick run, but you hit the major spots. God's desire to bless through Sarah and Abraham's family. It grows into a nation with the king. They build a God a house, a temple where God will dwell with God's people forever. And then they mess it all up and get kicked out and have to sit in exile for 50 years. That's the Cliff Notes version, if you want to use that one. But really, that's the basic info you need from the Old Testament to get to Malachi. 
Okay, so then, so then how are you going to transition into Malachi then? Okay, so I would start with a quick word about their return from exile. So 50 years after they're originally exiled, they're allowed to return home. They get to go back, they rebuild the city, they rebuild the temple, they rebuild their hopes and identities, and rebuild their relationship with God. And what happens? The exact same stuff that was happening before. Did you almost have to say a bleeped word there? (laughs) Almost, but it would have been my very first, and so it would have been exciting. (laughs) The book of Malachi records a theological pivot in God's people's theological imagination. They got their second chance, and still... The leaders and the rich folks, and yeah, even just the regular people, choose to squander this second chance by acting out of fear and a desire for control. And we see the same problems of abuse and pollution that we did before, like offerings that are offered with blood-stained hands and people who refuse to come to the altar or are kept from it. People are turning away from each other and from God and starting down that same path that led them to exile in the first place. So the question then becomes, now what? And that's where Malachi enters in. Huh. So in like verse one of the chapter where it reads, see, I'm sending my messenger to prepare the way before me and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Mm -hmm. The messenger of the covenant in whom you delight Indeed, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. Yeah, exactly. And actually in that next verse, that's my next big preaching pitfall. Because I think in Advent, where do we typically want to focus Mm. in a verse like that, right? On the messenger, because then we jump straight to Jesus and end sermon and scene. Mm. And there's lots of sermons that have been given on this text that link that messenger to either Jesus or to John the Baptist. It was written way before either of them. Mm. So it had to be referencing something else. And the who is pretty much lost to history. But there's something else that that verse talks about that we know a lot about. And and we have a lot of specifics about, too. Uh, Okay, so what's that? Well, it's the covenant. Because in Hebrew, the sentence that goes, the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, could just as easily be translated as the messenger of the covenant in which you delight. Hmm. This is just as much a what as it is a who. And I think that's kind of my big preaching angle for this week. Maybe don't preach the messenger. Maybe preach the covenant. Hmm. Maybe preach the God whose initial divine instinct was to bless the entire world through covenant. Preach the God who takes humanity so seriously that when all of the covenants haven't been working... They will stoop to covering their divinity with flesh and with blood and then preach the covenant in which we take delight. That covenant of flesh and blood, the covenant of bread and wine, of life poured out so that life might be born in beings like us who are nothing but lumps of clay who can't get it right. Preach that covenant of forgiveness and new life in a time where we're starting to get just tinseled out. That's kind of what I'm suggesting for Advent, too. Hmm. That is a pretty powerful preaching angle. Mm, Thanks, Rachel. (laughs) Yeah. I hope folks really do just that. Friends, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Check us out on Facebook, where we drop our weekly episodes, or find another fantastic stash of our back episodes at firstreadingpodcast.com. Send us feedback. Give us a rating. We love to hear what's working and what could be improved. 
Special thanks to Trinity Lutheran Seminary at Capital University for a generous grant that's helping us do what we love best. Thanks also to Tim McNinch for his very, very excellent producing skills. And thanks to all of you who are listening. And until next time, I'm Rosie Candithal. And I'm Rachel Wren. Happy preaching. <laughs>